Crave, how we doing? Wonderful. It's so good to see you. Thanks for being here for part two of our series, I Have Questions. Uh, as you heard during the announcements, you submitted so many questions uh, that we had to expand the series. We were just going to do last week and then answer all the questions this week. But there were a lot of really good questions that came in. And so uh, in addition to tonight, we're going to continue to answer questions next week. So if you've still not submitted your question, you can do so. Uh, I saw one come through today. Uh, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to answering those. And I want you to hear me say right from the beginning tonight, maybe you forgot last week or you weren't here. I may not be able to perfectly answer all these questions. Sometimes the best answer we can give is, I don't know. Uh, but it's, it's good to wrestle with these things. And what I would also say to you is if tonight, based on something that I say, if, if you come back and you go, well, I disagree with that, or I don't understand what you said, come see me. Continue to ask questions. Uh, you get in small groups tonight, and, and small groups may be a little bit shorter tonight, uh, just enough time to kind of check in. But if, if you still have questions, some follow-up pieces tonight, by all means, ask those things. Take notes tonight. Pull out your phone. Jot it down in your notes app or, or your journal, your Bible, whatever you have with you tonight. Uh, but before we even dive in, we're going to answer 22 questions tonight, uh, I hope. Uh, that's, that's splitting it exactly in half for what we have. So we've got another 20-some-odd next week. I want to share with you this verse. This is a David Hardy verse. Anybody know who David Hardy is? Okay. He's the executive pastor here at Brookwood. You should know who he is. Uh, David Hardy is one of those guys, you don't see him on stage a lot, but he helps ensure that things run smoothly here at Brookwood. And anytime we get together and meet, he shares this verse with us. Uh, it comes from 1 Corinthians 1.10. It says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Be united in thought and purpose. We may not agree on everything tonight, and that's okay. What I hope we can agree on is Jesus Christ is God. He gave his life for us. He's coming back that we can be where he is forever. Some of the stuff we'll talk about tonight is what I call closed-hand theology. There's no room for wiggle. There's not. Jesus being God, there's no room to wiggle. Some of this other stuff you go, I don't know. It could be this way. It could be that way. So you have to use some judgment and think through it. Okay, we're going to jump into question one, and we'll, we'll just put every question on the screen. And as you see these, please know, I, I took these verbatim. So they came in on an index card, and I couldn't read your handwriting. Uh, sorry. And if it came in off of our Instagram, I just copied and pasted. So question one, is it okay if you've never gone through a point in life where you've doubted God? The answer to that is absolutely. Uh, that's, that's awesome. You may be a person of tremendous faith, uh, and it doesn't mean anything bad about you. What I would say to you, if, if you ask this tonight, or if you also wonder this, know that circumstances may come at some point in your life where you will doubt. Like, you may have just not had anything, any major cataclysmic, like, tragedy that often drives people to a place of doubt. So what I would say to you is continue to strengthen your faith. It's wonderful if you've not been in that place. And if I inadvertently last week was like, well, everybody doubts. No, maybe, maybe you haven't. And maybe you just have the gift of faith. That's awesome. Uh, so there's that. Question two. How do you know if an author or source lines up with God or the Bible? One, you have to know what the Bible says, right? Like, if you're going to know, does this match what the Bible says? You have to know what the Bible says. How do you do that? Read your Bible. Get in there. Uh, even if you're like, I don't love to read, 
download the Bible app, it will read it to you. And depending on the translation, it'll read it with some dramatic effect. You guys ever do that? You know what I'm talking about? Go, go listen to Psalm uh, 51, if you want, in the New Living. It, it, they've got some violins behind it. Like, it's, it's good. It's good. So you got to know what the Bible says. That's, that's number one. Number two, uh, research for yourself. Do not accept at face value... Just because if I tell you, or Pastor Perry tells you, your mom, your small group leader, do the research yourself. Go and find out, okay, who is this person? What are they saying? And how does this match up with the Bible? I'll share with you a verse, uh, if you're taking notes, if you're keeping track. Acts 17, 11. Paul is commending the Bereans because, um, or excuse me, Paul, well, Paul did, but Acts was uh, not written by Paul. Uh, Acts 17, 11 says this, the people of Berea, not 20 minutes away, okay, it's not, it's not that. Uh, the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message, and they searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were telling the truth. This is Paul. He wrote most of the New Testament. He had an encounter with the risen Christ, and still these people were like, yeah, Paul, I mean, that's cool and all, but I'm still double-checking on you. You should always do that. Double check. Go do the research yourself. If you don't know where to start doing some research, come and see me. I can point you in the right direction with some resources, okay? Uh, number three, do Old Testament principles still apply today? Do all New Testament principles still apply today? The Old Testament is the Old Covenant. We believe that it has been fulfilled. Now, a little, little bit of clarity here. Jesus fulfilled it. He did not do away with it. Meaning, think back to the Sermon on the Mount. We spent a lot of time in the Sermon on the Mount this past year, right? And you think about where in the Old Testament we read, don't murder, right? Uh, or, or, or don't commit adultery. Jesus does not come in in the New Testament and say, well, those things don't apply anymore. What does he do? He actually gives further understanding and says, well, yeah, don't actually take someone's life, but also the attitude of your heart, right? Yes, don't sleep with someone you're not married to. More on that in the late teens on our questions tonight. But also how you dwell on them in a lustful manner. Like the Old Testament, yes, we're not bound by it because Jesus has fulfilled it. And I'm telling you, we live under grace in the new covenant. Uh, his life, his teachings, that's what guides us. So a lot of times this question comes up, People want to ask about some of the really obscure stuff in the Old Testament, right? About not having uh, garments made of more than one type of fabric or not having uh, a crop of more than one type in a row and, and some of these really obscure things that were spoken to a specific group of people at a specific time in history at a specific place in the world for very specific reasons. But I'm telling you, the principles of God's law, Jesus makes it very clear, and if you don't know where to start with that, you're like, I don't even know what you're talking about. Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, great place to go, okay? Hope that answers that, and I should have said this at the beginning. I cannot, in the time we have allotted, even though we made extra time, I can't answer every question for like 20 minutes tonight, so, so if later you're like, you just, you send me an angry DM, you just kind of flew past my question. I'm really sorry, it wasn't personal. I'm, I'm trying to, to proportion time. Anyway, I'm going to keep moving, Okay. Question four, uh, when Cain killed Abel, God sent Cain away. Cain said that he would be killed by other people. Where did these other people come from? Another simpler way this question often gets asked is, who did Cain marry? Right, so if you're not familiar with this story, Cain and Abel, they were brothers, and you think maybe you fight with your siblings. Well, have I got a story for you. Uh, 
Cain murdered his brother. He was pretty jealous and didn't like him because of his uh, being accepted by God. Cain had not been. He gets sent away, and Cain kind of establishes he's living over here. People go, well, who did he marry? Because the parents of Cain and Abel were Adam and Eve. Y'all are sharp. So if Adam and Eve had Cain and Abel, who did Cain marry, and where did these other people come from? And there are a lot of theories on this. Some people say there was a, a pre-Adamic people. Okay, I did not just curse. I was saying pre-Adam, okay, pre-Adamic. There are people who think, yeah, there's, there's a whole different group of people that God didn't create. I don't believe that. That's, you know, you submitted your questions. I'm the pastor. I'm answering it, so I'm telling you, I don't believe that. I believe that these were people created by God that came through Adam and Eve, okay? Now, here's where this gets a little, little interesting. Uh, I'll share with you uh, from, well, it would help if I actually had it pulled up. Uh, this is from Genesis, and this, this talks about the lineage, okay? This is what happens when you use a computer. So sorry. Uh, it says, when Adam was 130 years old, he became the father of a son who was just like him in his very image. He named his son Seth. After the birth of Seth, Adam lived another 800 years. And he had other sons and daughters. Adam lived 930 years, and then he died. So how many kids did Adam and Eve have? Yeah, a lot. A lot. We don't know. The Bible doesn't say exactly how many, but a lot. But Jewish tradition, now this is not the Bible, this is you do some research and you see what Jewish tradition holds, that Adam had 33 sons and 23 daughters. Therefore, there could have been a lot of other people at this point. Um, the conservative estimate from some scholars is that there were some 32,000 people. Yes, uh, I heard that in the back that were on the, on the planet at this point, that all came from Adam and Eve. Now, we're looking at this and we go, well, that's weird, so you're saying that they would have had to have been related. Yes. Now, what the Bible explicitly condemns is incest. And in that time, it was defined between a mother and a son. They could not be together, right? Or a father and a daughter. And we're all kind of going, yeah, that's pretty gross. Cousins, at the beginning, it would have even been sisters, brothers. And again, I know we're sitting here today going, that's pretty gross. I'm just answering the question for you honestly. I'm not going to lie to you. This is what I believe the answer is, okay? I've got to move on because this is only question four and there's so many more to go. Question five. I love this one. Did God create other planets too? Yes. Question six. Uh, no, 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 no. Let's go back to five. Let's go back to five. I think what the person asking this meant, and, and hear me say this, person who asked this, I'm not making fun of you. It's a great question. Because I think the spirit of this question is, did God create other inhabited planets, right? Are there aliens? And of course, we all know the answer is, that was a trick. I just wanted to see what everybody would say. Uh, yeah, a lot of people said yes, so we'll say yes. No, uh, I don't know. I don't know. Did God create other inhabited planets? Maybe. I don't know. Jesus did say, and, and you, can, you can write this down, John 10, 16. He said, I have sheep not of this fold. Probably didn't mean aliens. That's really bad hermeneutics. This, that's a really bad North Greenville joke. I'm sorry. Um, but I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Who, just a show of hands if you're confident. Who thinks there are aliens? I'm just curious. Yeah, okay with that who thinks there's no way who thinks please god don't let there be aliens because i've seen too many alien movies okay that's that's good too yeah yeah same okay uh question six what does amen mean this is a great question it means so be it so if you're like why do we say this at the end of our prayers it just means may it be so hear me say this there's no gender piece attached here okay you probably saw Somebody on TV at the end of their prayer in an effort to be politically correct said amen and a women. 
And, you know, I, I want to applaud his efforts to include everyone, but it's not a men or women thing. It's, it's you're misunderstanding language. So it just means so be it. Everybody good there? Is that okay? I'm not making fun of the person who did that. Just it's not, it's not a thing. Okay, question seven. What is the line between don't fear because God will protect me and I don't need to worry about wearing a mask or COVID because God has got me? All right, I, I'm trying to, I, I think reading between the lines here, the question is, what, what's the line between don't worry about stuff because God will protect me and take some steps? Because this kind of seems to be asking from bo- both sides. Um, I just want to share with you Proverbs 3.21. This is a great verse. I would jot this down. Proverbs 3.21 says, My child, don't lose sight of common sense and discernment. Hang on to them, for they will refresh your soul. They are like jewels on a necklace. Another way I've heard this question asked is, um, you know, if I, if I go, like, lay down in traffic, will God protect me? Or if I jump off a high building, will he, will he protect me? And what I would say to you is, we see Satan tempt Jesus with that, right? In Matthew 4, hey, jump off the building. God will protect you. And, and Jesus rebukes Satan, and I'm saying to all of us, we need to practice common sense. And this is not me passing judgment or making a political statement about masks or COVID or any of that. What I'm saying to you is, you have common sense. So do some research and figure out what you should do that's smart and what you feel comfortable with in life. Yes, we trust God to protect us. We also don't do stupid things to unnecessarily endanger ourselves. So if you decide you're going to go hop the fence and just sprint with your eyes closed across the interstate down there, and God will protect you, guess what's probably going to happen to you? Yeah, you're going to get pancaked out there on the interstate. Because that's not smart. Use some common sense. Everybody, are you tracking with me? I'm trying to, it's hard to get feedback. Everybody good with that? Okay, cool. Uh, Exodus 8, why did God want to kill Moses at one point in Exodus? Did you guys know this? Did you guys know that God wanted to kill Moses? Yeah. So uh, this is in Exodus 4, 24 through 26. It says that on the way uh, to Egypt, uh, at a place where Moses and his family stopped for the night, the Lord confronted him and was about to kill him. Well, that seems weird. Isn't God love? And wasn't Moses his servant? What's going on here? Moses' son had not been circumcised, and God had given this as the instruction for identifying as his people, and it hadn't been done. Now, why hadn't it been done? We don't know. Some scholars speculate that his, his wife was very adamantly opposed to it. I'm telling you, maybe Moses was like, I don't want to do that to my kid. We don't know, but what we do know is God's about to kill Moses, and at that point, his wife, uh, and confession, I don't know how to pronounce this perfectly, Zipporah, uh, she took a flint knife, she circumcised her son, and... That was that. God didn't kill Moses. So why? Disobedience. And if you actually study Moses' whole life, uh, Moses was very faithful in a lot of ways and, and not so faithful in some other ways. And I would tell you, God was probably frustrated with that on a number of occasions. But on this particular occasion, that's what happened. Okay? Question nine. This is a scenario question. There's a man on an island who has never heard of God. Will he go to heaven or hell? What about aborted babies who never even get a chance to hear about God? Was that baby's purpose to die early in order to change someone's life? You're a little choked up reading that second half. That's, that's tough. Let me deal with the first part first, okay? This scenario of a man on an island or someone in a jungle, they never hear the gospel. What's going to happen to them when they die? I'll tell you why this question gets asked a lot, I think. I think people are uncomfortable with the answer. I'm telling you, I believe that person on the island, that person in the jungle, I believe they are accountable. I do, and, and that's not just my opinion. Romans 1.20 says this, Ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and the sky. 
Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. Catch this last part. So they have no excuse for not knowing God. How does that happen on an island? How does that happen in a jungle where no one ever has a missionary come in and articulate the gospel to them clearly? I don't know. Okay, hear the humility here and me say, I, I, don't, I don't know. I am saying, according to the Bible, you can look around at creation and see there's got to be a creator. So I'm saying, for the first part there, I think that person is going to spend eternity apart from God. Dealing with the babies, and not even just aborted babies, but just a baby who, who suddenly dies, which, gosh, what an awful thing. Like, that's it's terrible. I think all of us would agree. I have two under two at home, and my gosh, just thinking about that, it, just, it makes me emotional. I don't believe that that baby is accountable. They're not the person on the island who has seen creation and is therefore seeing creation and therefore should see that there's a creator. I, I don't believe that baby goes to hell. I don't. I don't. And maybe you do. And, and if you do, I'd love to have that conversation more, but I, I don't believe that. I don't, I don't think that's consistent with the character of God. I don't think it's consistent when we see David, who did have an infant die, David said, one day I'll go and be with him. He can't return to be with me where I am now. That's anecdotal. I understand people poke holes in that argument, but I'm telling you what I believe, okay? <sighs> okay. Question 10, 11, and 12, we put all on one slide. We're going to kind of lump these together. They all deal with kind of the same thing. We're going to move now into a section where we've got a lot of y'all asking questions that are similar. Question 10, why was sin created? Question 11, why is death the payment for sin? And question 12, why did God send Jesus when he did when it seems like there's more evil in the world today than there was when he came? So what you guys don't know is uh, I did some collaboration this week uh, with some folks on some of this. And J.C. Thompson, our family pastor, was actually going to come and help me answer some of these. Uh, but he could not be here today. But in J.C.'s notes that he sent me back, he said, question 10 is the most difficult question to answer of all the ones submitted. So for whoever asked this, congratulations, you stumped uh, me and J.C. Uh, the answer is, you know, I, I don't know. I believe God allowed it to exist. I think you can go into this whole line of thinking of if we were never given the option to, to walk away from God, like, and you get into this whole conversation about free will, and, and we could go down that road for an hour. Um, I'm telling you, question 10, that's, that's a tough one. Why is death the payment for sin? Because God said so. I know that's such an infuriating answer, right? Raise your hand if you've ever been given that from your parents. Because I said so. Anybody? Okay. Keep your hands up if you, that just makes you want to punch a wall. Anybody? Okay, good. This is the safe place. We're honest, okay? Hate that. Hate it so much because I said so. And yet, God is the one who gets to decide these things because he's God. Uh, Hebrews 9.22 says, according to the law of Moses, nearly everything was purified with blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no forgiveness. Why did God ordain it this way? Uh, I'll try to take a stab and say, I think if you look back at the Old Testament and all the sacrificial systems with the animals, and we think about Jesus sacrificing his life and his blood, guys, that's a serious payment for a serious situation. If you could just write sin off by, like, I don't know, writing a $10 check, like most of you are like, what's a check? That's a whole separate conversation. I'm old. But there's a serious payment for a serious transgression. Uh, if, if that makes sense. And as far as why God sent Jesus when he did, like why did he come to earth some 2,000 years ago? I don't know. I have no idea. That, that, I think that's a great question, and you should definitely ask God. Like, it seems like things are worse now than when he came. To that, I would say, I, I don't know. I don't think that's probably true. 
I think we have a, a greater awareness of the evil in the world because we're more connected than we've ever been, but Ecclesiastes 1.9 says there's nothing new under the sun. People were selfish. People were engaging in all manner of sin 2,000 years ago, and they're still doing it today. So why then? I don't know. If you ask Jesus one day when we get there, come let me know. I would love to know. Question 13, 14, and 15. What does God sound like? How can I know when it is him talking to me versus me talking? Love that question so much. 14, why are we told to talk to God and ask him questions when he doesn't always respond? Okay. Why does God communicate in such subtle ways, and why is it so hard uh, to listen? What does God sound like? One of JC's notes that he said, JC said, God sounds like uh, what he sounds like in the Bible, and I thought that was so good. Um, we have to know God's word. Like, again, I think most of us sitting here, if, as we consider this, we're like, it would be so easy if God would just audibly speak to me. But the problem is that happened in the Bible, and people ignored it and, and didn't listen. And we have something that those people didn't have. We have the recorded word of God. What does God sound like? He sounds like what's in this book. So are you making time to read this book? And I'm not just saying this to the person who asked this question. I'm saying this to all of us. You probably came into 2021 with goals, right? Resolutions. And I hope one of those was, I'm going to read the Bible more. Today's the last day of the first month of the new year. How we doing? We in the Word, we making time to hear from God. We doing some Bible reading plans with our small groups. We holding each other accountable. Are we walking in community? These are questions I have for you. But if you say I've never heard God aloud, okay, I would tell you I have. God has never spoken to me like that. Sunbeam has never broken through the clouds, and I've audibly heard, Kevin, it's me, God. I've never heard that. I do feel like I have heard God speak though. I feel like, and maybe you can relate to this. You ever been in a worship set that's just like, hmm, I'm, I'm feeling that. Like, there's something about this song. It's more than just Jacob's sultry voice up there serenading me from the stage. It's more than just the lighting. It's more than just the strings and the horns. There's something here. Anybody, just anybody ever feel that? Okay. I'm telling you, I think that could be the Holy Spirit. And maybe when that happens, we should just go, God, what do you want me to know right now? Like, what, is there a lyric in this song? Is there something you're trying to drive home to me? Because I feel like I have had that happen. I can tell you, like two, three years ago now, I was running through Malden down by those old abandoned offices, and I was listening to No Longer Slaves, and y'all, it just smacked me in the face. I started crying. This happens to me a lot. I, I listen to podcasts and sermons and music when I'm out. I'll just start crying. I know people probably think I'm crazy. Like, who is this guy? He's wearing very short shorts, no shirt. He's crying. They probably think I've escaped from somewhere because I'm running so fast. I'm not running that fast. But I just, just the lyrics of that song, I can just, I clearly remember God speaking to me in that moment. I've had that happen. I've had God speak to me through other people. Somebody who, there's no way they should know what's going on in my life. And they come up, they're like, hey, I don't, I have no idea, like this is completely out of random, I was praying for you, and I feel like God wanted me to tell you this. Anybody? That ever happened to you? Boy, that'll make you go, what is happening? Like, is this person following me? Have they broken into my home and read my journal? No, I think God is speaking to you through that person. Are you open to that? Why are we told to talk to God and ask him questions when he doesn't always respond? I would push back and say he does. 
half the time we're not listening. That's the first problem. The second part is sometimes we just don't get the answer we want. Sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes the answer is wait, keep asking, keep knocking, keep seeking. Jesus said that. The answer is just not always something we want. And, and if, if you ask this, and again, one person submitted this, but probably all of us have felt this, don't give up. Keep on asking, keep on seeking, keep on knocking. Matthew 7, 7. And I believe that God will come to you in that time, in his time. And why does God communicate in such subtle ways, and why is it so hard to listen? It's so hard to listen because we're so distracted. We're the most distracted people in the world. We have so many things that we get so caught up in. The, these devices, people want to go, technology is evil. No, it's not technology. It's a tool. It can be a great tool, but we use it to distract ourselves. You're so plugged into your social media and your games and sports and all these things that you get on this little screen. I can't hear God. Well, I wonder why. You've got everything else turned up to 10. And you've got God all the way down on mute. And I don't say that condemning you. I, I'm talking to me. That's part of it. Why does he communicate in subtle ways? Again, I'd push back and say he's communicated very clearly in the past and still people ignored him. We talked last week. Pillar of cloud, pillar of fire. My gosh, if God would just come in a pillar of fire, I'd follow him forever. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't because people in the Bible didn't. Jesus was God. He showed up in the flesh. He put on a human suit and came down, and people still didn't follow him. So think about that. Why subtle ways? I think God wants us to lean in. There's a, there's a public speaking trick. Who hates public speaking? It's like your worst fear. Okay? Public speaking trick. If you ever really want to kind of draw your audience in, one of the things you can do is you can start to lower your volume just a little bit. And what it will cause people to do, even if they don't physically do it, it costs them, they'll kind of lean in like, wait, I feel like I'm going to miss this. Now, this is my life. If I could have one superpower, it would be to turn on subtitles so I could hear what you're saying. And this is even pre-masks. Like, I can't hear. I struggle. We watch Netflix at home, subtitles. Hulu, subtitles, always. But, but I lean in. Maybe you need to lean in. I think about 1 Kings 19. Go, go read that. Uh, that's your homework, 1 Kings 19. God spoke in a gentle whisper instead of these big, loud, powerful ways. Um, one last thing as, as far as uh, God hearing our prayers. Uh, I do believe God hears our prayers. And yet, I would say to you, sometimes we have unconfessed sin in our life that prevents us from having right relationship with God. People come to me and go, I, I, I can't hear from God. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to ask something like this. Hey, um, is there unconfessed sin in your life? You have broken relationships that you know are broken and, and you've done nothing about it. Are you deeply addicted to something? You're not dealing with it because when there's sin in our life, it separates us from God, both now and in eternity. Isaiah 59.2 says this, Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor is his ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God. Because of your sins, he's turned away and will not listen anymore. Well, that doesn't sound good. That doesn't sound loving and friendly and soft and gentle. Sin serious. If you're struggling to hear from God, I challenge you, take a look in the mirror and go, is there sin I haven't dealt with? Is there something going on in my life I'm unaware of? Psalm 139 at the very end, 23 and 24, invites God to come and, and search you and try you and point out anything in you that's offensive. Psalm 139, 23 and 24, check it out. Okay, don't put my next one up yet. Is everybody okay? Because it's, it's about to get a little more awkward. You're like, oh my gosh, how could it get worse than what it's already been? Well, here we go. Let's put the next round of questions up. What are some good ways to handle lust or lustful temptation? What are God's thoughts about masturbation? 
And how far is too far in terms of waiting until marriage for sex? All of the people in the room are like, I really wish I would have just gotten up and left. I knew this was going bad. I could have faked a phone call or a bathroom trip or something. Listen, it's okay. It's okay. For the people who are brave enough to ask these questions in particular, I want to say thank you. Because this is awkward. This is the sex talk. Okay? I'm not going to give you the whole sex talk. Okay? That's for you and your parents. What are some good ways to handle uh, lust and lustful temptation? In community. Not by yourself. Stop letting shame push you over here into a corner and go, if you tell anybody you struggle with this, they'll cast you out. No, they won't because they're struggling with the same thing, probably. So we deal with it together. We set boundaries. We love to have no limits or unlimited. You know, all these different things. Boundaries are good. Boundaries are healthy. Boundaries are helpful. If you're dating someone, you should have the boundaries conversation right out of the gate. Don't wait until you're like in kind of a compromising situation to go, okay, wait, wait, hold on, wait. Um, uh, let's figure out what our boundaries are now. Bro, it's too late. You should have been had that conversation right from the get-go. Hey, men, young men in this room, look right here at me. If you want to date that young lady and pursue her, you will push through the awkwardness and say, I care about you enough to let's have this conversation. And if she's like, well, I don't want to have this conversation. Bye. Young ladies. I'm so thankful I didn't have daughters. Um, you're so valuable. And if he's not willing to respect your boundaries, kick him to the curb. And then come tell me and all the men, small group leaders, and we will go kick them in the booty, okay? Uh, we'll help them right onto that curb. Set some boundaries. Here's a good one. Don't be alone horizontal with your boyfriend or your girlfriend. And you're like, I don't know how this happened. Really? Sherlock, let me help you figure it out. Um, you d didn't have good boundaries. I'm serious. Like, we're chuckling, but I'm, just, I'm speaking from bad decisions I made in my past and from 16 years of student ministry. Yes, I am that old. Set good boundaries. Hey, uh, think about the boundaries even on your screen. If you put garbage into your life, garbage is going to manifest and come out. This is, this is the age-old, oh, Kevin, I don't listen to the words of the song. I just, like the, I just like the beat. But I don't know why I curse like a sailor. I do. You're putting garbage in. Garbage is going to come out. If you're watching all these movies and shows and it's just full of people who are half naked and they're crawling all over each other, I don't know why I think about this so much. I do. You're putting garbage in and garbage is going to come out. My gosh, what am I supposed to watch? PBS? Yeah, bro. Arthur, let's go. <laughs> Wishbone. What's the story Wishbone? Is Wishbone still a thing? Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Okay, thank, okay, the adults in the room. That makes me feel good. Some of y'all are like, what is PBS? I don't know. <laughs> hey, maybe it's time to consider what you're watching. That'll help you with some of this lust. You're taking all that stuff in. What are God's thoughts on masturbation? Well, the Bible doesn't explicitly say, Kevin, so how could you authoritatively say? What the, I'll tell you. Jesus specifically says that we should stay away from sexual immorality. Now, if you're interested in the language, we could get more into that. The word is pornea. Anybody have any idea what word we get from our language from the root word there, pornea? Guesses. 
porn, yes. But it doesn't just mean looking at images on the internet or a magazine or whatever. Pornea, in the Greek, if you were to go back and look, is anything sexual outside of the bounds of marriage as defined between one man and one woman. Yes, I said that. And yes, we're going to talk more about that in just a moment. But anything, anything beyond that is not good. It is not in line with God's will. Well, but nobody's getting hurt. How many times have you told yourself that? And not even just like masturbation. Well, nobody's getting hurt. It's just me. It's not true. It's a lie we tell ourselves. What are you thinking about when you're doing that? Well, I'm not looking at anything. Maybe not. Are you calling up mental images? Where's your heart at in that? Do you feel like you can honestly say there's not lust in your heart? Because Jesus says lust in your heart is the same thing as, as going out and having sex with somebody you're not married to. I know this is uncomfortable. I know it's awkward. And there's probably, I'm going to look down. I don't, because <laughs> I don't want the email from your mom or dad later. Well, you looked right at my kid and they thought you were talking about them. I'm not talking about anybody in particular. So let me look down. Somebody sitting here, even as I've been covering this topic, you feel so ashamed. You feel attacked. You feel like, I'm never coming back here because I've already crossed the line that I can't uncross. That's not from God. If you have crossed that line, there is grace And you can come back from that. I don't say that abstractly. I say that as walking, talking proof. Okay? One last thing on this, and I have to move on. If you spend your whole life looking for where is the line so that you can then get as close to it as possible without crossing it, you have the wrong mentality. And I don't just mean about this. Like, if if you get out of college one day and you get a job and you're like, what's the bare minimum I can do to collect my paycheck and I can go home and do my thing? That's the wrong attitude. The Bible says repeatedly, work at everything as if for the Lord, not for man. If you're constantly wondering, Jesus, how far can I go and still be good? My friend, you are so close to tripping over that line. You're doing yourself a disservice. That goes back to boundaries. Do figure out where that line is. And then I would just tell you, backpedal on up about five, ten yards, okay? Put some boundaries in place, like an obvious ones. Let me not be alone and horizontal with my boyfriend and my girlfriend. You're like, that's super obvious, okay? Maybe don't be alone with them. You're like, well, that seems a bit much. I don't know you. I don't know your walk. I don't know your struggle. I don't know your life, but maybe that's a good step for you. And whatever your struggle is in this whole area, please, please, please look right here at me, everybody, everybody, adults, students, men, women, Get some help. You cannot tackle this on your own. The enemy wants you to stay alone because he knows if you do, you'll lose. Okay? This is a perfect time for a quick plug. Series coming up in a few weeks in February. I always do a relationship series around Valentine's. Who has a Valentine already for this year? Okay? Who's interested in finding one? Hands up. Let's go. Full service ministry. I am here for you. 
We're doing a three-week series called Non-Negotiables. We're going to talk about the priority of relationships. We're going to talk about purity in relationships. You're like, uh, what date is that so I can uh, conveniently not come? I'm not going to tell you. Um, and then we're also going to have a marriage panel. We've done this before. I'm going to get some newlyweds, some midlyweds, and some been married a long time, folks. And we're going to put six of them on the stage. I'm going to ask them all kinds of questions, and it's going to be wonderful. So it's coming up in February. So if you're like, hey, you didn't touch on everything with this that I wanted you to touch on, we got a series coming up. Stay tuned, all right? And please come even on the awkward week. All right, question 19 is a long one. It is connected to some of the ones that follow it, but let me read through 19 and we'll unpack it. All right, how am I doing on time? We're getting there. Okay, so this is kind of long and it's a bit political, but I have a question for Sunday. So I believe that gay marriage should be legal and that women should have the option to get an abortion and stuff like that. That's because not everyone's a Christian, so I don't see the problem in people that are gay marrying each other and being happy. I don't see a problem with a woman getting an abortion if it's not against her beliefs. Is it wrong to support making these things legal but not actually doing them myself? Like if I were debating getting an abortion, I wouldn't. And if my friend was asking me, I would say that she shouldn't. But I think it should be an option because I can't make that decision for everybody. To the person who submitted this question, Thank you for asking a very difficult, awkward question. And again, we just came out of awkward. You're like, oh my gosh, did you purposely put these in increasing order of awkwardness? Yes, I did that. Um, there's two questions really being asked here, okay? Two questions. How should we feel about abortion and how should we feel about gay marriage? I'm going to deal with abortion first. I believe that abortion is the taking of an unborn life. That's what I believe. And I know, I know there's a lot of people who go, well, a woman should have a right to choose. And Kevin, 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 what, but what about this scenario? What about this scenario? What about this scenario? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I believe that unborn babies are the most defenseless human beings in the world. And yes, I do believe they're human beings. So I appreciate, hey, I wouldn't do this, but what about somebody else who maybe doesn't believe the same as me? Shouldn't they have the right to choose? You can't make the decision for anybody else? Of course. And hear me say this, if you're in this room and, and, that, and that's part of your backstory, again, you, you've not crossed the line so great that you can't come back. That'll be on our last question, you'll see. But I'm telling you, I don't see any way that I can get around abortion not being murder. Uh, that's how I feel. I believe the Bible's pretty clear on God knowing us and forming us and shaping us in the womb. I, I, don't, I don't know how you get around Psalm 139. I don't. So, this piece of, well, but if it's not against their beliefs, I would tell you someone's being harmed in that scenario. And not just the baby, I'm telling you story after story after story of people I personally know who have walked this road and have dealt with emotional scars for the rest of their lives. Now, if you have more questions about this, again, like, I, it's 5.30 already, we try to get out of here at 6. I, I can't go too much deeper on this, but I would, I would love to engage. The person who submitted this, Love to talk more. If you're sitting there going, well, but love to talk more. Let's talk about gay marriage. Because you look at this and you go, well, Kevin, yeah, like abortion, I agree with you. Someone's being murdered, so I would say no to that. But in gay marriage, no one's being hurt, right? Let me ask you to think about something. And, and, I'm, and I'm, this is for you. How much do you care what God says? About any of this, not just this question, but all of this. We, we all have to decide that, right? I understand what's being asked here. 
hey, I'm a Christian, I would maybe not do this, but shouldn't somebody else have the right to as an American? Is there a difference between being American and being a Christian? Yes, not all Americans are Christian. Not all Christians are Americans. So should Christians get to determine for Americans? Like, I, I get the argument. I'm saying to you in this room, do you care what God says? And I know what I'm about to say is unpopular, and this could get played back, and somebody would be like, I can't believe you said that. Well, I, I'm saying what I believe the Bible's pretty clear about. Romans chapter 1 speaks about this. People go, well, the Old Testament's the only thing that, and it's all, no, no, the New Testament. And yes, in fact, Jesus himself talked about, again, pornea, anything outside of sex between a married man and woman. So for you, do you believe that? And if you don't, that's between you and God. I think the Bible, I think the Bible's very clear about that. Now, I know it's potentially not popular. Let's keep going because these next two questions kind of tie into it. Question 20. How should we view LGBT people? Where should we stand and how much of their identities do we tolerate? Do we honor pronouns? Do we help gay people find a date? Love that. I love that that got tossed in here. Uh, can we coexist or be friends at all? I do my best to talk about Jesus and normalize Jesus' name and being a good normal thing. What do we support in regards to LGBT? Yes to jobs and equality like everyone else. Rights to marry. What about trans people? Is it okay for guys to be in dresses, girls in tuxedos? Again, person who submitted this, you're doing some thinking, uh, and I appreciate it. Uh, how should we feel about LGBT people? We should feel about them the way we feel about people. We should love them no matter what. Like it's not optional. The worst person in your life that you know, you should love them in the name of Jesus. You should pray for your enemies, people who take actions that you disagree with. We love with them. We love them even if it means we don't agree with their lifestyle choice. And unfortunately in our society today, we've gotten to this place where if you and I disagree, well, I must hate you and you must hate me. No. I can believe differently and still love you and not be a jerk. Does that track? Does that make sense? We can be, we can have different views and still be loving, right? Unity does not necessarily mean uniformity. Now, what does the Bible say about this? Again, I, I think I've made that clear. I think the Bible is clear on this. Um, should we help someone who's same-sex attracted find a date? I'd, I'd probably say no. Um, I, I would. I personally would not. Jobs and equality as human beings? Yes, because that's not something that we, as the church, get to dictate. That's the government. And so, yes, they should be able to have a job. Now, would I hire someone who's in, who's in that lifestyle to come and, and be on this stage? No, we, we would not. But as a human being, yes. And let me, let me make that clear, because I, I know this is tricky. I would no more hire a same-sex attracted person who's living in that lifestyle than I would hire somebody who's same-sex attracted and they're sleeping with somebody that's not their spouse. Does that make sense? I just would not do it. I wouldn't do it. I believe both of those sins equally separate us from God. What about trans people? And again, the T and the LGBT is, is a part of that. Guys, how do, we, how do we engage with people who say, I feel this way and, and my body is this way, and I'm saying to you, I don't, I don't have all the answers to this. This is a difficult conversation. I could talk for a long time about this. The best advice I can give you is build a relationship with somebody. If you're out there trying to talk at somebody, it's very different than talking with someone. You see that? Talking at someone is aggressive. There's not a relationship. Talking with someone implies that you've listened to them, that you've gotten to know their life, and you've earned that right to be heard. Okay? Be very careful that you go out from this place and attack people 
for their stances on things. Be someone who can love. Uh, Cross-dressing. I I would probably lump a lot of that in here. I don't, uh, it's not something I've ever really dealt with, if I'm honest. Uh, Can I give you two resources on this real quick? Uh, If you want to read more about some of these things, uh, there's a pastor up in North Carolina. His name's Kevin D. Young. Great name, all right? Um, He lives in the wrong Carolina, but that's okay. Uh, He wrote a book called, What Does the Bible Really Teach About Homosexuality? Kevin D. Young, What Does the Bible Really Teach About Homosexuality? It is, I mean, the book is no thicker than my phone, okay? It's, It's a short, quick read. It's a good read. There's another book written by a man named Sam Alberry, two L's, Sam Alberry. It's called, Is God Anti-Gay and Other Questions About Homosexuality, the Bible, and Same-Sex Attraction? Sam Alberry is himself same-sex attracted, and he's a pastor over in England. You're like, well, that doesn't compute. I'm making the distinction between someone who is living a homosexual lifestyle and someone who is same-sex attracted and says, I know this is not in line with God's will, therefore I will submit and surrender to his leading. Well, God wouldn't want me to not be who I am, right? He wouldn't want me to, to sacrifice. No, ab- absolutely he would. We're called all of us, no matter our temptation or our struggle, to set aside our way and follow Christ. You read about that in Matthew 16, okay? Last one, can you be a homosexual and a Christian? I, I, I kind of jumped the gun and got into that. Um, what I would say is there's a distinction between same-sex attractiveness and being a person who's practicing a homosexual lifestyle. Believe it or not, there's probably somebody in this room who's same-sex attracted. <gasps> oh my gosh. Hey, where would we want that person to be other than here? I hope Crave is a loving place that we can point to the gospel and point to Jesus. Not acting on homosexual attraction, I would say, requires discipline and surrender to Christ the same way not acting on heterosexual attraction is if you got a boyfriend or a girlfriend or just a guy or a girl you think's real cute and you want to get with them in that way but you go i follow jesus so i don't do that i'm just saying an active persisting rebellion against god any sin uh is, is something that i would say makes you not a christian like and i'm not talking about you struggle with something over and over i'm talking about i'm willfully choosing to do this i'm walking away for god i know what he says about this i don't care i'm going to do my own thing one of the most frustrating conversations I've ever had was with a buddy of mine who, he was engaged in some stuff that he knew he shouldn't be. And I said to him after like 45 minutes, hey dude, do you care what God says about this? And he looked at me and said, honestly, no. I know what God says and I'm doing it anyway. And I said, okay, like I don't, I really don't know what else to say to you. I'll pray for you. I don't think you can live in consistent, persisting, intentional rebellion and consider yourself a Christian. Doesn't matter that you walked an aisle one time when you were 12 or you got emotional that one night at camp, everybody was emotional. That's not what makes you a Christian. Submitting and surrendering to Christ every day makes you a Christ follower. Okay? Last one, uh, and we're almost out of time. Question 22 What are deal breakers for God? Here's the good news literally, nothing we've talked about tonight. None of this stuff that we've talked about tonight is a deal breaker for God. Now, there is one. You're like, oh, no, crap, I probably did it. No. Uh, Mark 3, 28 through 30 is this passage that people have poured over for years and years. And uh, if I told you I could perfectly explain it to you, I can't. Mark 3, 28 through 30 says, I tell you the truth, all sin and blasphemy can be forgiven. But anyone who blasphemes the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. This is a sin with eternal consequences. That's Jesus speaking. 
This is a sin with eternal consequences. So what does it mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? You can go home and Google this. What's the unpardonable sin? Like you can, you can get deep into the, the weird places of the internet. Be cautious, right? Find good sources. But a lot of very smart people agree that what this means is that persisting rebellion to never accept the Holy Spirit. Meaning, when you die, there's not this like second chance when you stand in front of, hey, Jesus, oh, snap, you are real? Okay, cool, 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 I'm in, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. Nope. No, because then you have committed the, this offense, which is you've, you've rejected the Holy Spirit, you've hardened your heart, and you've decided, I'm out. I've heard pastors say it this way, God will always give you what you want. Hey, if you don't want anything to do with God, that's fine. He's going to give you that in this life and the next. So what's the, what's the deal breaker for God? Rejecting him forever. Period. If you've crossed any of these lines we've talked about tonight, it's not too late. You can, you can come back. If, you're rest, if literally everything I've said tonight has offended you, you're like, I cannot believe any of this. And I Take it to God. Have a conversation with him. Have a conversation in your small group. Come see me. Dude, blast me. I'm fine with that. I can, I can handle it. I have tried to honestly, faithfully answer from the Bible tonight. So if you have more questions, you can come. But what I want you to hear me say at the end of this week, and we'll talk about it next week, is God loves you. You, not just the person beside you, not just the person who can sing all the songs with their eyes closed because they're so holy they know all the lyrics. You. Not just the person who has already read through the Bible in a year in the first month. Okay, we all know that person. You're like, geez, how'd they do it? I don't know. God loves you. And he sent Jesus to die to pay the penalty for your sins. Why death had to be the penalty? Again, I'm telling you because I think our sins are that serious. He loves you. He wants relationship with you. Nothing you've done is so bad that he can't forgive you if you're willing to come honestly, submit and surrender to his lordship. Okay? I want to pray for us, and I'll tell you what we're going to do from there. God, thank you. Thank you for the brave young men and women who asked these questions this week. I pray, God, that you would take my feeble attempts, my weak and probably all over the place attempts to answer these questions, and I pray you would just pour out your Holy Spirit on top of it, that you would provide clarity and wisdom and understanding and a desire to know you more. God, help us to never forget that questions are not a bad thing, especially when they're driving us closer to you. And I pray that every single person in this room, small group leaders, seniors, juniors, sophomore, freshmen, we would all understand that you love us and you are for us, not against us. Thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen.